Welcome back to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Thank you for tuning in once again. This edition is made possible by CARTS, the Corporation for Automated Road Transportation Safety, a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to safe and high-quality mobility for all. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Good morning, Alan. Uh, Good morning, Fred. And we are so happy to have joining us from General Motors, the chief engineer of Ultra Cruise, Jason Dittman. Hi, Jason. Hi, Fred. Good morning. Hi, Alan. Uh, Jason, so nice to have you uh, and uh, have somebody who's been in it for a while, right? <laughs> yes, I've uh, I've been involved in this automated driving space since 2018. Uh, I was... Um, the chief engineer for Super Cruise as we were yeah. launching on the CT6, and yeah. and uh, then that has evolved into yeah. uh, into the next generation of Super Cruise. Yeah, so that was before that time, right? How long were you with with the Super Cruise? You're from early, right? Well, no i i joined in the I joined in the fall of eighteen as oh. we were launching the product into production. I was. Um, with the team for a little, about a year and a half. Uh-huh. Um, then I went back and did a stint as a propulsion chief. I have a long history in electrification also. Um, and then I've been back working on ultra cruise now um, mm-hmm. since uh, 2020. So mm-hmm. about three years now I've been uh, focusing on ultra cruise. So can we, uh, to start, how was that doing that in COVID? Well, we already had a, I'll call it a global team. We had, we, when the team of people that were working on Ultra Cruise at the time, mm-hmm. we had a group of engineers in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. We had a group of engineers in uh, Toronto at our Canadian Technical Center. And mm-hmm. we had a group of engineers in Israel at our tech center there. So we were already used to you were COVID already <laughs> right. so, so what what we didn't what but what we had what we what we had to figure out how to do is for the local team here in in Michigan who was used to seeing each other every day that was really the adjustment but mm-hmm. I think for the for the global team we were already used to doing everything over um over teams meetings it wasn't teams at the time but yeah, we, we were already whatever used to, whichever yeah. whichever you know, version of this thing. Well, you know, I get, I guess that that's really, that's really good. In some sense, you know, there was a big change in other sense, there was little change. We at the university, of course, enormous change instead of being in the classroom. I mean, it was, right. it was despicable. I mean, you can't, you can't think of a proper name for it, but sure we can do education remotely and all that stuff. And you can go to the library and read books. You don't need to go to class you get right down to it but uh, boy it was a big thing for us but um, yeah. anyway good thank you um, it, it is a big concern in a lot of places you know when are people going to return to the office and so on and you know I think about the folks who, who go to Wall Street for example why do you go to Wall Street you're on the computer on the phone all day long anyway I mean what the heck you're commuting to go I mean <laughs> anyway but that's a whole different thing I will say this I yeah. think it is relative relevant here yeah. because we're really proud of this I always like to call it the global village yeah, that yeah. works on ultra cruise yeah so um, anytime we there's an opportunity to talk about that um, I'm, I'm very proud of it we're really proud of how these teams all work together 
you know, being so disconnected, you know, geographically. And different perspectives and coming from it, you know, probably from different places, which is bound. I mean, you know, we are all that diversity here also. And, you know, getting getting different inputs, different. Yes, go ahead. Good. And, great. And not to mention juggling time zones for those team meetings. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's challenging for some people, I'm sure. But you have some news to get to today, uh, Jason. A GM is unveiling its safe deployment approach to Ultra Cruise, which is designed to ultimately enable hands-free driving in 95% of all driving situations, you're saying. This is the next generation of advanced driver assistance. Take us a little deeper into into this announcement, what it is you're coming out with. Yeah, well, what we're trying to do with Ultra Cruise is we're trying to expand upon what we, we're really proud of, which is Super Cruise. So we're trying to take the elements of Super Cruise, which um, – is uh, our driver attention system and our alert system with our light bar that we communicate with the driver on what we need them to do. So we're using those two as kind of foundational elements and then trying to expand the driving domain to a destination to destination feature. So think of it, you're in your, you're getting, you're in your car at the mo- in the morning and you've got a, I have a 55 mile commute to the tech center when I come to the tech center. I would put in um, the Warren campus as my uh, destination and I would hit go. And um, ultimately by the time all is said and done, you know, Ultra Cruise is capable of giving me, you know, a nearly total hands-free driving experience from my house to the tech center campus. Now there will be times when Um, We'll need the driver to come back in to do a maneuver if it's a complex maneuver. Um, But the goal is is to try to give give you that hands-free experience on your entire commute. And one of our strategies uh, is um, when you go to this expanded domain, you've got more vehicles, more cars, you've got bicycles, you've got pedestrians. Um, so we've set up a sensing suite um, that consists of a LIDAR on the car. Every car will have a LIDAR, uh, multiple radars, both short and long range radars, and um, seven cameras to, you know, observe the scene and give us a picture of what's out there and uh, enables us to make the right decisions on um when when ultra cruise can take over and do the driving versus when we need the driver to come back in to do a few maneuvers and you're saying pretty much almost all the time this is available but i understand things like traffic circles no or roundabouts as they're called (laughs) yes so the the 95 percent of all driving scenarios there was a, a a study done of sort of naturalistic driving maneuvers that people do on a daily basis. Um, and we, the architecture that we've selected with our sensing and our compute enables us based on that study to do about 90% of the driving maneuvers on an average. So, you know, let's say for my, for my 55 mile commute, um, I won't see a roundabout until I get on the tech center campus. And when I get there, uh, we have a way to bring the driver back in to get through that roundabout, and then the vehicle would automatically resume. 
there will also be some other maneuvers like unprotect, unprotected um, intersections. So a vehicle trying to do unprotected uh, left and right hand turns. If you've got that on your route plan, um, to start, we're gonna ask the driver to confirm that the intersection is clear enough um, to do the maneuver. And then we'd ask them to press the accelerator pedal before the car makes that maneuver. Those, those maneuvers are very difficult. And uh, we feel like um, we need to learn how to do that over time. Um, and that's, a, that's kind of foundational to our safe deployment strategy. We're only gonna put features out there when we feel like they're, uh, they're ready to go and we can do it safely. If I could get into a couple of questions that I have, if you don't mind, a yes. couple, couple comments I'd like to make. One is, is uh, when you came out with Super Cruise, I think, you know, we have data that shows whatever, uh, you know, impressed with two things. One is the, uh, is the uh, eye tracker you put in there. And two, I just thought it was enormously elegant that you put the light bar on the, on the steering wheel. Okay. I mean, I, that's, I just thought. I thought that that was wonderful. Not that it matters what the heck I think, but uh, why? Because it's it's really it's very close to in your field of view, okay? And and you don't have to look all the way down on the dash. And and really, and the and the you know, I just why not? There's nothing else there that's useful, and so on. So you know, kudos to that. And I think those have, have been two of the fundamental values. Of course, I didn't like that it was just on the CT6, and it, and I went in Cadillac dealers, and they didn't even know what the heck I was talking. That's a whole other thing. That's a business thing associated with it. Um, part of couple of questions with respect to to the use of <clears throat> one. When you do your route from where you are to go to the tech center, does the route take into account uh, the ability? Uh, for for ultra crews to do its thing. In other words, as you pointed out very carefully, and and I and I really do appreciate you pointing out, having these things make unprotected left turns in situations in which you have two lanes going this way and two lanes going this way with a thing in between three lanes. I mean, they're like crazies out there with with the with the competition trying to say oh it's got to work on on this thing i can't do that i would i would approach that left turn and say yo i'm turning right and i don't know i'll head in the other direction and make a michigan left or whatever <laughs> you know is is available down the road i mean it, this is like crazy stuff what are you trying to do i mean this is this is this is just wrong and so you know one one could, and I'm asking if you take into account when you do your optimization function for the shortest path, not shortest, but the objective function in the in the path equation, take those things into account. I mean, I I think it shouldn't even take you to those if it finds a way that's not too circuitous. You know, I mean, why battle that? In, in some sense, now you're 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 intervening here and asking the person to go ahead and do it, you know, and so therefore whatever. But it just seems to me that you know avoid those things. Have you approached it that way at all, or not? Or so the the, the route will actually get calculated by the in-car navigation system. Right. There is information that. We'll, we will make available 
to that um, in-vehicle route planning system yeah. to optimize availability yeah. um, so that so that the vehicle, you're taking it on a route where it will be engaged more than disengaged. However, we don't plan to have the, the type of hook that you're talking about where we're just saying, hey, avoid these because we feel like, to your point, we are going to use that light bar from Ultra Cruise so that if there is an unprotected turn or another maneuver that that we don't think we're capable of doing, long before that maneuver comes, we have a, a, a new color that we're adding to the light bar, a yellow color that we call it a yeah. non-urgent escalation where the driver comes in, we'd ask the driver to do that maneuver. And then as soon as you're done with that maneuver, we'll auto resume. So that's our way of managing that. Um, and in a way, try to do, reduce the software complexity for what we hand back and forth between the navigation. Yeah, I, I encourage you to do that. At one point in my life, I <clears throat> pioneered turn-by-turn navigation and so on. I know what's in the databases. I know what you can put in there. I know what you can put in the objective function. I'm suggesting seriously look at that because you have the opportunity here. Okay, and certainly since you have the route ahead, you know you know this is coming. And in some sense, you, you probably have to beat the person over the head. Not that you should beat the person over the head, you know, <laughs> because this is, I mean, what are we doing here? Um, anyway, that's, that's just, you know, I, th- I think, I think we'd if, if just thrown that out there. Uh, the second thing is, this is a personal thing. I, I have three personal things, at least three personal things. Second thing is, is that it, it, it is that why do we, why is it hands off that's important not feed off i think at least for me personally the best thing about this stuff is my feeder off those pedals in my own mind one data point in the world single data point in the world you know the toughest thing i have to do is not really stay in the in the lane although that is challenging Keeping my speed and my separation from the vehicle ahead of me the way that I would want it to be. Mm-hmm. And and to me, that's a feed-off thing. Now, I know that in the whole evolution of these things, somebody came up with hands-off, and that's that's the feature. That's What's your thought on that? Or am I just a screwy person, one-off, whatever, on this? <laughs> I love the, you know, me not manipulating my feet. Well, and, and so we do build off of what is, yeah. you know, commonly termed adaptive cruise control. I, I, and, yes. But the situation that we're going to be in with our route following feature is, you know, we'll, we'll be presented with the first car at a stoplight, yeah. right? And yeah. being able to, when that stoplight changes color, being able to, to accelerate as that first vehicle. Mm-hmm. And so we've spent a lot of time working on, well, what is the proper way in those scenarios that we accelerate as the lead vehicle, right? We know how to accelerate following a vehicle and we've got that baked into adaptive cruise control, but we've spent a lot of time working on how are we gonna accelerate as the lead vehicle from a stop sign or a stop light so that we're not annoying all the vehicles behind us because we're accelerating too slowly and we're not accelerating too quickly to the speed limit to make the driver uncomfortable. So, so there is a lot of work going there, but you are right. The hands-off. Yeah, that, that's that's a, a feed-off feature. You know, that is 
that is focused on your feet, not your hands. Right. And I, w- I would just suggest, I don't know, maybe you talk to your marketing folks or something. I don't, I mean, to me, it, it, it's, that's the feed off ability. I don't have to sit there and mess around with that, with that with that gas pedal and so on to do that or the brake pedal or jerk right. a dude pad to do all that stuff. And, but you know, I'm an old, what, what can I, I, I'm still looking for the clutch, you know, but never mind. <laughs> we, we took care of the clutch. Okay. But, but anyway, but, that's, that's, we are, we are, we are, no, we are I, fully I'm just, aware of what you bring up. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm sure you are. I'm just, you know, throwing this out to make this somewhat interesting or whatever. Not that, that the, th- the third one is a real pet peeve of mine, okay? So I have, unfortunately, I didn't buy a CT6, okay? I, sh- I tried to, but whatever. I, I don't have, I, but I have a, a competitor uh, in what I call intelligent cruise control as opposed to stupid cruise control. What bugs me about mine even though I think it works reasonably well, da da dee, da da da. Okay. Is that if I'm in intelligent cruise control, which is what I call it, as opposed to stupid cruise control, which is the, the difference is that the intelligent cruise control uh, operates on the throttle and the brake, whereas the stupid cruise control just operated on the throttle. You didn't have opportunity to do brake except for aerodynamic yep. braking or, do, you know, whatever. I mean, there was no control of that. Okay. If I have the whole thing set up and, I'm, you know, whatever, and I tap the brakes, it turns it off. If, I, if I'm in super cruise and I have it on and I tap the brake, does it turn it off? I so, think so. Yes. That's, I, in ultra cruise, in ultra cruise, in ultra cruise, I ask the same question. Um, you, I have it on, whatever. It's green. You know, it says I'm good. But for who knows what, I tap the brakes. Does it turn the system off? Yeah. So we take a brake pedal input as, as intention that you want to take over control of the vehicle. So why? if you tap that why, brake why? pedal. Why? Why? Well, why it, does it mean that? It, it's a situation where, you know, the driver in the seat, right, has taken an action that isn't what we would expect to be taken. So we respond to that as if as that's an indication that, hey, I want to take control. Okay. So we're going to disengage and ask them to come back and bring their hands back on. It's a strategy. What, what, if, what, if, what if I touch the, the gas pedal? If you touch the gas pedal. Um, I took an action you, you didn't or, expect. Or the accelerator in this instance. <laughs> um, yeah. Whatever. Uh, I'm sorry. We, we I'm do. old school. What can I tell you? I mean, uh, whatever. Whatever that pedal is. Yeah, the yeah. one on the right. We do, we do allow... We do allow in both Super Cruise and Ultra Cruise, right? If you have a a accelerator pedal override, meaning I've 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 yeah, I understand what you mean fast, by override. Yes, right? I, I, yeah. we 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 allow that to happen without disengaging because you know we consider these two differences from a 
from a safety perspective. One, I just want to go a little faster. Maybe I, I want to accelerate without changing my set speed, or maybe I want to accelerate because I want to take manual control and go around versus we consider a brake pedal request kind of an indication that they're not comfortable with something and we feel like we need to disengage. So we kind of consider that a safety input. Now, Alan, I let me think, ask you. Wait, wait, wait. You know, I, I, I just I, think along that these lines, so I'm just wondering okay. what would you propose as a way? No, Alan, I just think it's so wrong because, because, because what would be a good to, alternative? Me, to, to, to me, it's the same thing. Okay. It's the exact same thing is that one in the gas, I want to override the braking and go a little bit faster in case, and therefore I'm taking control of that, and it's fine for you to let me do that. In the braking, I want to override the gas. And if I should take my foot off, it doesn't come back on, and it drives me nuts. What would be a good it alternative, should, Alan, a, for, for system, telling the vehicle me, that I to, want to take control? To, 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 to me, well, I don't know. It doesn't. It's the same thing. I, I, I can override. I can override the steering, and I hope the steering still works. I can override the, the gas, and, and, and the throttle still works after I, I'm done with my override. On the brake, it's a, it's a, it, 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 it says, oh, no, this one's different. It's not all on you. And, and what bothers me about that, personally, is that I may not have hit the brake hard enough. And if I didn't hit the brake hard enough and the system thinks that I should be slowing some more, it doesn't cut in until the automated emergency braking system comes in at, who knows what, 1.6 seconds the collision, and oh, oh who knows what brakes loose. And I th to me, it's I've said this to NHTSA, I've said this to folks and so whatever, I think, and we can cut it out if you don't want to let me say what I, I think it's, some, it's a leftover from stupid cruise control. Because in stupid cruise control, there was only one thing that was being controlled, and that was the throttle. And certainly, if I tap the brake, I'm saying, hey, please turn off the throttle function, okay? Because I want to slow down. Just like if I tap the tap the gas, it says turn off the brake function. I want to go faster. Don't keep me from doing that. So and then as soon as I relieve it, get back to where in the heck you think I should be. So one of the things that we have engineered into Ultra Cruise, yeah, okay, is an auto reengage so that Excellent. if if for whatever reason you've had to come in and take control or we've dis, we've disengaged once you've established control and once you know all the conditions are good again and you're still on your route plan we'll automatically re-engage so you won't have to go find another button to press to re-engage once this has happened so it's a bit of a balance it's not exactly addressing your issue but it's a it's a bit of a, a partial solution so i i, I to personally Okay, for whatever it means, I think that that is great. Look, I mean, the way I look at these systems is they're there to help me. They're comfort and convenience to help me. Every once in a while, I have a different view. I have a different view on a lot of things, okay? Let me have that view 
And then as soon as I'm done with that view, please get back to doing it. Otherwise, there's a turn off button someplace. Okay, I don't know where it is. I'm sure it's convenient. But but because because you can imagine in these in these intelligent cruise controls, especially in the situation in which you're driving on Route One here with traffic light every two feet, you know you're who knows what going who knows what over the speed limit. And then all of a sudden, you know, the traffic stopped at a whatever, and you know, and I, I don't, I don't tend to wait for it. I tap the brake and maybe I slow down early because I'm, you know, I, I, I really want to be safe. But my goodness, if I don't do that enough, and it thinks I should, I'm not slowing down enough, th- then it won't go in and help me anymore. Even though I've said, don't use the gas, I certainly don't want to speed into that, you know. And 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 I think, you know, the discussions I've had with others, I mean, I think this is a holdover from, 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 from stupid cruise control in which there was only, you know, the tap and the brake, of course, turn, turn off the, the, the accelerator. How do you turn off the accelerator? There's only one function, turn the whole thing off. Jason, if you could, if you could ask some other people, whatever. But I've had discussions with people at NHTSA, and not that I have many discussions with people at NHTSA, and so on. It just, it just seemed. The other thing, if I may ask you, with respect to this, this system is separate from automated emergency braking, correct? Or how are those two systems? integrated or talk to each other yeah. our all of our i'll call it active safety features automatic emergency braking yeah. is one of them we have them um in in vehicles today right right and we have a, a a software set that does that so we are essentially carrying that sensor and that software set over and the ultra cruise software is sort of um separate so we'll, we're essentially using what we know today with these features. And eventually over time, we'll merge those two together. But at least when we start, we're keeping that active safety content separate. Okay. Well, I guess, you know, for what, again, for whatever it's worth, I, of course, think those features should be integrated. Because, mm-hmm. because, because you, you sort of go with one, you're, you know, your feet off, you're like happy camper going, doing whatever and whatever. And then that's at one end of the spectrum over here. And at the other end of the spectrum is, oh my goodness, something has hap- just happened for which whatever the cutoff is, I don't know what you use or what other people use, uh, you know, 1.6 seconds time to collision or, you know, whatever, that thing just like goes nuts. You know, it, it tightens the seat belt, it closes, yep. locks doors, it brings a, something so that my legs don't get chopped off by the engine coming through the whatever and all the other stuff that goes on. And who knows what goes on in there? Uh, okay. We agree That's with you. We, huh? we agree with you. No, no, no. I mean, which, 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 thank, thank you for doing that. You know, I mean, you know, please. And, and it should absolutely do that. But that's over here on this other end of the spectrum, and, and, and it seems to me that that 
any efforts that any of you can make to bring those two things together because at some point there's this no person land in the be- in between where in fact we wouldn't have to and and you've got to be careful that you're not doing that you know geez i had an under con- you know there there's a whole you know yeah. driver experience thing that goes on in there which is totally non-trivial okay right those two and features you- those two features are highly integrated because yeah. they do yeah. have to work together because if you're in a hands-free situation yet the active safety system detects that we've got to go into an emergency braking event <laughs> That gets communicated back to us because we've got to bring the driver in absolutely as fast yeah, as yeah, possible. Yeah, escalation. So they are highly integrated between yeah. the two. And we would like to merge those over time into one single, you know, unified software stack um, to be able to do that. But we're integrating them together. Yeah, anyway. Well, let me, uh, let me uh, throw hey, in one more yeah, thing because yeah, sure. I know Jason has to run. Okay, okay, not oh, long geez, ago, Jason. No, we want to keep them. <laughs> yeah, we do, we do. Uh, Missy Cummings, uh, you, I'm sure you've seen the story, uh, now a professor at George Mason University, had been a safety advisor to NHTSA, joined us on the podcast here. She had made some headlines and sent a document to her colleagues at NHTSA showing that when people using advanced driver assistance systems die or are injured in a car crash, they are more likely to have been speeding than people driving cars on their own. And she says automakers and regulators should restrict when and how the technology is used. Just like to get your thoughts on this and, you know, should the vehicles themselves be saying, no, you can't behave that way? That's the tough one, Jason. <laughs> See the tough question. That that is that is a quagmire. Go, Jason. Well, Missy, Missy I, made some pretty big headlines with that. Yeah, I know. So, yeah. I, I don't I don't think we've actually seen the study. I don't know if that study was ever officially published. Um, So it's kind of hard for me to comment on something that I haven't been able to wrap my head around in terms of the actual research rather than just the comments. I am aware of the comments, but I really can't comment without seeing the real research behind it. Yeah. And and Jason, I think, you know, that's a that's a tough question, because, of course, then there's there's the issue to the extent that. You know, you control and, you know, the behavior of the drivers, somebody you sold a product to and then, you know, telling them how to behave and so on. And and uh, if if somehow NHTSA or somebody said that you have to, you know, put a, a you can't go over the speed limit when you're using this. then I mean, I don't know. That just opens up so many cans of worms. That, uh, so I will I will I will say this. Ultra Cruise will follow the speed limit unless the driver has selected yeah. an offset either above or below the speed limit. But to start, we will follow the posted speed limit. Well, you you have you have you can put an offset on there as yes. opposed to set the number. You can put an offset either above or below the posted speed limit. Ooh. But to, but what will what will come out the door is. The feature will follow the speed limit. Yeah, no, I, oh, that's great. That's great because well, that's that's sort of is- that's sort of my mentality when I drive. I I always go under the never. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to protect truth, myself, Jason. I mean, you know, <laughs> I might be an academic and clueless, but you know, whatever. Uh, um, yeah, no. I, I to me, I think 
it. I think it's really the system that I happen to have doesn't have that. You have to set the number or whatever, and the, and the speed changes. And then it turns out that even though I set a number, then it changes at the speed limit when I and and. Uh, well, what you're going to want, Alan, is coming out next year. It's the Cadillac Celestique, which is this is where it's, this is first going to be available. I know, I'm and eventually, go yeah, eventually yeah. migrating, I guess, Jason to to other vehicles in the line. Uh, we're not ready to talk about what other vehicles at this point in time, but we do uh, intend to put this across to other vehicles. Jason, for whatever, again, for whatever it's worth, I thought maybe the worst thing that GM did with, with Super Cruise was just make it available on the CT6 in the beginning. And in the beginning, it was it was not easy to find. Uh, experience from a consumer, okay? Uh, you have other consumer. Look, I, I, I think it, these are wonderful systems that yeah. really help. We've, okay? we've gained and, a lot and, of traction. And, and, we've got about 22 models that we're getting Super Cruise on and we're continuing to grow it and yeah, Ultra yeah. Cruise is this natural yeah, evolution. And, and, so and now it's gone and now it's gone. All and, in I, at this point. And, and I know, I know that, 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 that this thing requires LIDAR and so on. So, Jason, congratulations to, to you and, and your team there on all of the, of the, of the great innovations. We're, we're looking forward to it and, and, and the work that you're doing. And we really appreciate you spending time with us. Thank you. It was great talking to both and, of you today. Thank you very much, Jason. Really appreciate it because, because you're there and you're doing it, you know, and that, that's the important thing. And, and, and thank you for coming on with us. My pleasure. We have another headline or two, Alan, to get to. Uh, yep. Reuters reports that GM's robo-taxi unit Cruise is focused on cutting costs this year. The COO told a technology conference that they'll continue to look at hardware, software in terms of costs and what's on the vehicle and drive costs out as they move forward. I guess no big surprise here. Well, I mean, somewhat of a surprise. The way you you get to reduce costs is by scale is by more is by, you know, really going out there and doing deployments. If, if, if things are onesie twosie, you know, things are expensive. They're handmade. There's no volume, you know, discount. Okay, and 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 it, you know the 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 way to make this affordable is to scale it, and you scale it by having more things out there and provide more rides. The 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 the, the capital cost of these things is not really the is not that much of an issue. If you can then spread the capital costs over a bunch of rides, you know, productivity levels of these vehicles have to be something that begin to approach a hundred person trips a day type of thing. But if you do a hundred person trips a day times, you know, 300 days a year, you really don't have to collect all that much from each one. To, have a good amount of money in your pocket to buy vehicles. That have so what you're saying is they should be focusing on on, on on scaling this up rather than necessarily 
reducing for the ways cost, the components the of whatever. I mean, sure, you always do that, but but that's not the. I mean, if they want to make a headline, headline says, "Hey, we're going to go out there, and the vehicles we're going to put out there, we're going to put it in places where they actually can be productive, and they have repeat users, and 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 they have customers." And 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 the cost of customer acquisition is spread out over many trips that that entity is going to take. Not onesie twosie here. Somebody every once in a while going to an airport. I mean, to get a hundred person trips a day, and each of those persons is taking you once every, I don't know, blue moon. You're going to die of customer acquisition costs. So why don't you focus this thing on a market where, in fact, you are absolutely number one or close to number one in people's choice as to how they're going to get there. So you get a repeat customer. And that repeat customer comes back and back to you. You have had to acquire him or her once. I mean, that's the way other businesses scale, isn't it? It's the way McDonald's scaled. You know, how many hamburgers did they have to sell to each person? They didn't sell one hamburger to somebody, you know, once every three months. I don't know. Hey, what do I know about business? You know, my degrees are in aerospace engineering. I'm, you know, I'm a techno nerd. <laughs> Alan, the uh, Reuters is also reporting that uh, NHTSA is opening a probe into the self-certification of the test procedures at Zooks. A general counsel at Zooks says in a statement that the company's self-certification tests have met or exceeded applicable performance requirements. And he adds they are working closely with NHTSA on the questions that they have there. I mean... I, I applaud them for self-certification. I mean, I think U.S. is all about self-certification. And why the self-certification has to have a steering wheel and a rear-view mirror. I mean, does it need a saddle and a side saddle for women? I mean, what? We've commented about NHTSA. Okay, with respect to to the GM vehicle and then whatever, not suggesting they're dragging their feet. But my goodness, look, these folks are trying to provide mobility and good mobility. At least that's what they're trying to do. And NHTSA, yes, it has a responsibility for safety. They also have a responsibility for providing good mobility. Because if they don't have both, then, you know, let's get some more saddles. A couple buggy whips, too. I, I, look, I, I know it's harsh, and I'm, I don't, don't mean that. I know they have a tough job. But come on, man. Yeah, we don't really know exactly what this means in terms of uh, I mean, you know, a roadblock geez, or anything along those lines. I, I don't know if it's a come. I, you know, look, 
The objective here, the objective, the real objective to me of the driverless is not to make road mobility perfectly safe. That might be an aspiration. It's, you know, something that we'll asymptotically get to. But what it does, what it does, which we have not been able to do for the last, you know, 100 years, is to be able to provide mobility affordably without having to pay for the driver unless we pay and do it ourselves. Or we have Catherine Freund out there trying to get volunteers and she's doing a fantastic job. Kudos to her. But, you know, if we have to, and we should pay a person a living wage, at least a living wage, to wait around for us and drive us. Unfortunately, in essentially all situations, that is very expensive. And the, to me, right now, the only way to do that is either have Catherine Florin find volunteers to do that for all of us. It's asking a lot of the volunteers. Or let this thing do it. Okay? And darn it, Nitza, get on board. Another <laughs> quick headline, Alan. Um, and that has to do with Embark, autonomous trucking startup uh, Embark Trucks, laying off most employees. And uh, the headline says, winding down operations. Hey, you know, you think this is tough doing it to move people around a community, maybe at low speed, just so that they maybe can get to a grocery store or to a synagogue or to a a revival or to shoot hoops in a in a community on 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 just neighborhood streets. Just think how tough it is to do it on the New Jersey Turnpike or even Interstate 80, almost in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, for stretches, it's a piece of cake. But in other places, because you got if you're going to do it, you got to do it all the way from origin to destination. Whew. You know the yeah, and there's there number of folks out there trying to do that one. And how, how many people have tried that and gone out of it? Starting with Auto and Starsky and whatever. And whew, I just hope Roar succeeds. It seems like, you know, what didn't, didn't Waymo sort of indicate that maybe they were putting the truck on back burner? I don't know. I don't know if that was a rumor, fake news, or whatever. <sighs> Trucking businesses is tough. Why? Because you're trying to replace a, an entity that I think if you look at, at the value proposition of moving what it is that you're moving behind that truck is going to be a high-valued goods. Otherwise, it'd be on the choo-choos. So it's it's on trucks. It's high-valued. It probably deserves some over human oversight, care, and feeding during that process. And then that person also drives. 
And if you look at the cost of the driver in doing that, yes, it is an expense. But you look at putting on, on, on the, the hardware, the software, the responsibility that the system now needs to have. And, you know, the professional truck driver is a pretty responsible entity, man and woman. And, you know, that's not a, I don't think that's a trivial undertaking or a trivial business. And I guess Embark, because <laughs> they, they found out. Right. Difficult. Well, before we go, we want to mention you, you brought up Catherine Freund. People can find yep. more information about the great work that she does providing mobility at itnamerica.org. And we want to thank Jason Dittman from General Motors for joining us today for a terrific discussion about Ultra Cruise and uh, what they've been able to accomplish there and where it's going. Very interesting. Yep. Yeah, no, it's good, and and applauds, applauds really to GM. I, we asked some tough, some tough questions. They could, if yeah, it it, can, it also can be better, okay. But it is it is darn good. Again, you know the green bar on the steering wheel. I guess they have a patent on that. I hope they may you know let others take advantage of that. You know, put it out there. But who knows? That's a business decision. Don't want to suggest that. And the eye tracker, of course, same thing. They probably have a ton of patents on that that deserve to get, you know, IP revenue flow associated for 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 that. But boy, you know that kind of thing. And then, you know, one of the things that we didn't deal with that is that that I hope they don't find themselves in trouble with respect to you know the ninety five percent can take you ninety five percent from, you know, origin to destination, you know, the, the, the driverless piece, the hundred percent piece is, is really tough because you then have to accept the responsibility from the watering hole to my bedroom almost. Okay. To do that. And unfortunately, 95% doesn't do it. 98% done doing. And right. so, you know, that that's what makes it so enormously difficult. And you have to watch where you're allowing that. And that's why the operational design domain is so important. Da, 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 da. I think they have the right oversight on everything. And I think, it'll, you know, they're, they're, they're going about it the right way. So applause, applause. But 95% is um, there. Unfortunately, some people are. Uh, some people may have it in their mind to say 95% is equivalent to 100%, and it's not. And I know they have uh, they have plenty of safeguards on there. They'll turn it off and so on and so forth. And anyway. I don't like to drive through traffic circles or roundabouts either. So it's not a surprise. Yeah, no, it's tough. It, I, and I, I, you know, I don't know that I would trust one. Or I mean, if it's doing it and I don't have a chance to intervene, and absolutely. But the best, you know, to me, yeah, one of the things I found out, you know, in, as I say, pioneering turn-by-turn uh, -turn navigation is that, that, you know, there is a best path. 
okay, however you define the objective function. But it turns out there are usually a bunch of different paths that aren't too different from the best. And in fact, when you start taking your best and sort of modifying by some of those things, you know, because you can modify, depend what you define as best, probably it should be, you should absolutely avoid roundabouts. You should absolutely avoid unprotected left turns. And these things with, you know, three lanes going this way, this way, whatever, you know, this, that, the truck that, 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 uh, Joshua Brown crashed into, you know, the first sort of Tesla crash. That thing was making an unprotected left turn in one of these things. Probably got stuck in the middle of the road. <clears throat> poor, poor Joshua. <sighs> the heck's that? You know, it's just very difficult on everybody so you know avoid those things actually they probably should be prohibited anyway never mind tough stuff tough yeah. stuff this is this is tough stuff we want to thank carts the corporation for automated road transportation safety for helping to make this podcast possible carts is a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to safe and high quality mobility for all you can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Amazon, wherever you turn to for podcasts. Smart speakers can play us too. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser. Thanks for listening or watching. Please continue to stay safe. Thank you, everybody. Oh, by the way. On Thursday, I'm on I'm on my way to Boca Chica. An exciting trip ahead. <sighs> I'm going to see a rocket, Alan. I'm I'm I, I'm sure I won't see it fire, but I'm I'm going to go gaze on a rocket with every other techno nerd of the world in the world. I guess whatever. <laughs> it should be uh, great fun. Anyway looking forward to it. <laughs>